Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers. So, yeah, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Faith Radio Network, this is Jeremiah Johnston. So great to have all of you joining in, tuning in to another broadcast where we talk about the deep things of the faith, and we just struggle through, we discuss, we pray about, we take our unanswered questions to the Word of God, not to Google, but to God's Word, and we look for answers. And I receive so many questions from you, the listeners, the audience, those of you who interact with this program, either on Faith Radio or a podcast, about balance, about self-control, about how do I get more consistent in my Christian life, Dr. Johnston. Thank you so much, first, for being sensitive to that issue. We're all in this battle. You feel it. I feel it. There's a battle that rages within us. How can we be more consistent? I mean, like the Apostle Paul in Rome said in Romans chapter 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I hate to do, I do. And Paul is talking about this tension in his Christian journey. And so I want to discuss that today with a great Christian thinker who I'm bringing to this show for the very first time, Mr. Drew Dick. What a fantastic Christian thinker. What a clear communicator. What a great sense of humor. He's on hold. He's going to be joining us from the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon. Uh, And I want to discuss his brand new book that is all about and answering this question that you've been asking me. How can we have greater self-control in our life? And so I want you to listen to every word of it. I want to encourage you, if you can, take notes to this broadcast. Um, there's, he's going to be dropping wisdom all over this show. Um, and then I want to remind you, not only subscribe to our podcast, definitely connect with us, because I know you can't listen to it live all the time, but check out all the great shows on Faith Radio Network. And then remember, we create a blog for every single broadcast. So if something you listen to encourages you share it on social media we're going to step away for a 90 second break this is jeremiah welcoming you to the broadcast can't wait to hear drew dick coming up next friends welcome back to the jeremiah johnston show i'm so excited to have drew dick joining us um, I, I just have to make this confession right at the beginning. Uh, he's written one of those books that is so amazing that it just convicted me like on every page. So, Drew, thanks for being on the program, but thanks even more for just like really, really getting in my face with your new book on self-control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I Yeah, I, um, if it's any comfort, uh, it was a, a convicting process for me to write it because uh, I was drawn to this topic not because I'm an expert in it, but because I desperately needed to develop in this area. So I'm, I'm right there with you. 
Well, Drew is, is somebody, friends, that I've been familiar with. He's been impacting my life now, um, really, I think, I want to say since 2010, maybe even before that, um, back when I was on faculty at Acadia University back in 2012, 2011, in that area. Um, Drew, your book on Generation X Christian was just hugely formative to me and just helpful. Um, had no idea I'd be talking to you someday and just what life's journey would lead, but that book was so great. And um, Drew, you've just been so used by God um, in the Christian world. You're just you epitomize what our ministry is about, about being a being a Christian thinker, loving God with your heart, soul and mind, being able to engage culture in a thoughtful way, poignant ways and be conversant and informative uh, in your faith as well. And, and your book, I'm yawning at tigers. I mean, there's so many things we can talk about, um, but you've probably seen Drew also featured in just a number of places. Um, he, he does so much with Christianity today, but he's written for CNN, Outreach, Crosswalk, Huffington Post, Leadership Journal, Christian Bible Studies, and so many other places. And he's an acquisitions editor at Moody Publishers, um, which brings us to this fantastic book, Drew, um, that you have written. And uh, wow, uh, like I said, I mean, rarely do you read a book where just every page, it's like, yep, yep, I, I need to highlight this, and I need to go have a, a meeting with my wife. <laughs> your your future, <laughs> the, the book title is Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. And I just, I love it right at the beginning, um, because you talk about the fact that I'm caught in my own civil war between the good I want to do and the sinful impulses holding me back. You know, what led you to write a book, Drew? I mean, you, what I love is you're this great specialist, and, but you can write in these really interesting areas. You find these itches that the church really needs to scratch. Why, why this book right now thank in your you. career, uh, and why a book on self-control? Well, thanks for that, yeah, and, and thank you for that very generous introduction. It makes me sound way more important than I am, uh, which I love. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was really drawn to this topic, kind of like I mentioned, out of, like, personal frustrations with my own life. Um, I, I was hoping it would be something that would resonate with others. But, in fact, initially I wasn't even writing a book. I was just kind of reading some literature on this topic because just looking at my own life, I got frustrated with what seemed to be an inability to, to make myself do just basic things like read the Bible every day. Uh, pray consistently, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and, and it's frustrating, right, because yeah, you, you believe certain things about God, you've signed off on all the core doctrines of the Christian faith, you know this stuff is, is uh, really important. And then often, though, when it comes to what you actually, how you actually live day to day, there's often a gap between what you know and what you seem to be able to do. And for me, I realized that, that self-control was often the weak link, right? And so... Um, I started researching about this topic, looking at what Christian writers had to say about it, of course, looking at Scripture, and then also looking at what um, recent science has to say about the topic, the way our brains work, uh, stuff about willpower and the sociology of self-control. found that helpful as well. And then it sort of morphed into this book project, and I just hope it can be helpful to other people as it has been for me. Well, you've done so much. You've you've been this excellent. You've offered just an original look, an original. What I love about it, where actually, if if I could just bring you into my home for a minute, like what I shared with Audrey, I've written several. Excuse me, I've read several books about habit formation, systems in life, and. It seems, and, the, and honestly, Drew, most of them are from secular writers. So it's all about personal empowerment, um, greater influence, um, you know, just mastering yourself, getting mastery over your your life. 
but it, it just le- it leaves you a little hollow because there's very little about sanctification and mm-hmm. honoring God because these are not written by Christian authors. So you synthesize the best science, but root it completely in the Word of God in this process of san- sanctification. But I just want to ask you, like, people hear self-control, and, and people might be a little skittish, uh, a little reticent to, like, why do I need to hear about that right now? You know, why is this important yeah. for every believer in Jesus Christ? And why should it not make us afraid to talk about self-control? Um, and why is this important for us? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, it's foundational, right? And the, and the reason I say that is because you think of any area of your life that you want to grow in. Well, if you don't have self-control, it becomes very difficult to do that. So if you want to be a faithful person, if you want to be faithful to your spouse, well, you, you can't do that without self-control. Uh, if you want to be kind to others, if you want to be generous, all of these things take us suspending our own desires and selfish ambitions, right, uh, to put other people first and to put God first. Um, and so I really do see it as one of those kind of instrumental virtues that you need in order to develop in any other area. And I understand the reluctance, too. I mean, just even in the broader culture, self-control kind of has a bad reputation because people think of it as boring, confining. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, oh, man, why are you stepping on my dreams? I just want to express myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, just, yeah. I think, I think the, yeah, the paradox of this issue, though, is that ultimately if you, if you can grow in this area and you can develop self-control, it really opens up your life. It's the opposite of, of confining. It's actually freeing because you live a life that glorifies God, enables you to love other people, um, and, and ultimately that's really exciting to me. I love Chapter 4, Hope for Growth. And, friends, again, I want to make sure that you have the book. It's called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And I just love it, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. This book has just been released, widely reviewed. This book is gaining all kinds of traction across a wide spectrum of of just Christian leaders and even people in non-Christian communities. Um, So, Drew, well done. Again, good on you for doing this. But how do you you grow your puny – how you grow your puny willpower muscles (laughs) – (laughs) really spoke to me. I love chapter four. So let's just dive right in. What is it about the fusion of willpower also with the spirit empowerment inside us? How can we, how can we do better? Yeah. One of the the big kind of aha moments for me early on researching this topic was reading about willpower and willpower just simply defined is that emotional energy you need to withstand temptation or do difficult things uh, even when you don't feel like it. And researchers found out something fascinating about willpower about 20 years ago. A series of studies showed that willpower is a finite resource. In other words, there's only so much of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it runs out. We might like to think that we can withstand temptation indefinitely or continue doing difficult things for an indefinite period of time, but that's an illusion. We actually get weaker as we go. And as a Christian, that wasn't a huge surprise to me, right, because Scripture describes us as these finite, fallible creatures, right? Um, Jesus said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think that's why Scripture commands us to flee temptation rather than stand and fight it, Um, right? So that's all good advice. But it was just, it was enlightening for me because I looked at my life, like, after a full day of work, especially a day in which I have had to navigate a lot of difficult situations, I'd often find that after that, then I'd be more likely to maybe snap at my kids or, you know, just, and, and, and I'm not excusing any of that behavior, but what often happens there, just from a naturalistic perspective, is that your willpower is depleted, mm. right? And you've got to be mindful of that. So if you're going into a difficult situation, if you're making a big decision, uh, if you're going to be tempted by something, 
man, you want to make sure you refresh and, and replenish. Uh, otherwise, you become very vulnerable to temptation. Uh, and then the second thing that I found, is, and this is the good news, is that willpower is a bit like a muscle. This is how sociologists describe it. So just like a muscle, if you, if you give it resistance, if you use it more, it grows. It grows stronger with use. And, and your willpower is a little bit like that. As you choose to do the right thing, uh, as you say no to temptations, your willpower can actually strengthen. And that, that's great news. So powerful. Um, I just love that. Replenish. I love what you just said about replenishing our willpower. Um, and Drew, I just want to ask for like the benefit of my family. And I'm bouncing around here because, you know, your book, again, it's one of those books that you need to read more than once, friends, because you're just if, if you want to improve. I mean, if you want to be more godly in your life, if you want to have more sanctification, if you want to do better for Jesus Christ, if you want to maximize the gifts God has given to you. I mean, this is really a guidebook in many ways that Drew's given us uh, as the church. And I'm so grateful but, Drew, I just want to ask for, like, the benefit of my wife, Audrey, okay? You know, we have five kids. We haven't slept in two and a half years since our triplets are born. I mean, do you mind if I'm just, like, really honest with you right now? Like, we've been going through 700 diapers a month. Hey, hey praise the Lord. Like, amen, brother. Praise Jesus, you know, as my mom texts me. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, it's hard some days to read your Bible. I'm, like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I am. Yeah. I'm traveling, speaking 35 weeks a year. My wife is like this saint in human skin, and we were driving home from Florida the other day, and she began weeping to me, and she wouldn't mind me sharing this on national radio. And she said, Jeremiah, will you pray for me? Because some days I literally don't have time to read my Bible, and I don't feel like I'm the best Christian that I need to be. Like, what? how do I answer my wife in a way that's inspirational to her, based on what I've taken from your book? Yeah, great question. And I'm right there with you. I mean, we, we just had um, our third child six months ago. And so yeah. I, I hear you about the diaper phase and the craziness <laughs> yeah. of life. Yeah. Um, and I've had those conversations with my wife. Sometimes it's her going, hey, we're not doing great. And sometimes it's me saying the same thing. Um, and, and I totally hear that. And, yeah, and first of all, the first thing I want to say, have a little grace for yourself, right? I mean, yeah. there are seasons of life that are particularly yeah. difficult. And I think in those, those times, sometimes we need to adjust our expectation. Um, at the same time, I, do, I have found that there are little things that you can implement in your life that can make a big difference. So hmm. really quick, one thing that I've, I've done um, as far and specifically about the Bible reading, because this was something that was so frustrating to me because I would go to sleep at night and I'd be like, okay, that's it. Tomorrow I'm going to wake yeah. up. First yeah. thing, I'm going to read Scripture, right? I would really, and I'd believe it, like 100% I'm going to do yeah. this, and yet fail to do it. And then, of course, the day starts, some kid walks into your room. <laughs> Are the they already there? You're, you're <laughs> Are they already there? Exactly. They can't because they had a bad dream. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, and so, and then, of course, it doesn't happen because you say, oh, I'll do it later, and then you've just got a million things to do, right? So one yeah. thing I started to do, I realized I had a bad habit, though, and that was when I'd roll out of bed first thing, I'd grab my phone off my nightstand and I'd jump on social media or I'd start mm. checking email or I'd start reading news. Nothing wrong with that, but the way I really wanted to start the day, even if it was just a brief time, I wanted to spend it in the Word. And so yes. one thing I had to do, it was kind of like a habit that I had. I had to break. I put my phone somewhere else. I, I grabbed my big black Bible. I had to go analog. I couldn't even do the app thing. <laughs> I grabbed my physical Bible. Plunked it down on my nightstand. It literally shot up a, 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 a cloud of dust as it landed. And uh, so 
But then it made a big difference because now yeah. when I roll out of bed in the morning, I reach, I'm, I'm conditioned to consume some content, but instead of reaching for my phone, I'm reaching for my Bible. That's Silly good. little thing, but it's made a big difference in my life. I love these immediate steps. And, friends, these are the, these are the kind of, like, life hacks, the Christian life hacks that we need that, again, um, Drew has given us in this great book, Your Future Self Will Thank You. We've got to step away for 90 seconds, but when we come back, I want to talk about Chapter 3 of this book, which is all about facing up to those temptations and those struggles and how we overcome and transcend those. I'm talking to Drew Dick. Stay with us. We'll be be back in 90 seconds on Faith Radio. Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm talking with wonderful, prolific, perennial author, Drew Dick. He's given us another great book called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. It's a book that has gained traction, what I love, with pastors and Christian leaders and writers and thinkers, and then with just wonderful people in the church who need this book. Uh, It's inspiring and encouraging us and challenging us, I think, in ways in which we need to deal with. And I want to go right back to our discussion um, and Drew, thank you so much for giving us this time on Faith Radio. Uh, me, chapter three: Meeting the Enemies. What Scripture says about fighting the flesh and the devil? Um, can you just open up this chapter for a few seconds with us about? Because we all have these, and, and I like how you. I love the descriptor: these enemies in our life of self-control. How do we transcend these? Yeah, well, you know, I I almost hesitated to go to this area so early in the book because I didn't want to lose people. And I thought, man, this is kind of going dark. But I thought it was it was absolutely necessary because if we don't know what we're up against when it comes to self-control, if we kind of see ourselves as, you know what, I'm essentially a good person and I've just got to remove a few barriers and my life will be great, I, I think we're kind of yeah. fooling ourselves because there are some things at play, right? We, the scripture teaches us that we have um, our natures are sinful. And um, there's been a lot of debate about exactly what that means, but I think we can all agree upon that. So that when, like the Apostle Paul, when we try to do the good we ought to do, we find that we're in our own civil war Mm. with ourselves, and there's Mm. sin right there challenging us, right? And I love um, uh, David Brooks, the New York Times columnist, he talks about how there's an earlier tradition of thought, which he calls the crooked timbers tradition, and that is, that, that saw humanity not as this, like, pristine, you know, saw ourselves as pristine, uh, virtuous creatures, but actually that we are born a little bit crooked and we need to be straightened. And I think the mm. importance uh, of kind of coming to grips with that is that you can do that interior work, and, and it also humbles you, I think, because you realize, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I wow. can't bootstrap yeah. my way to perfect self-control and discipline in my life. I need the empowerment of God because I do have this sinful nature, and I'm, and I'm not equal to the task to fight it myself. And so it humbles us, makes us call on God, because as we know from Scripture, he promises by his Spirit to empower us to live the Christian life. And ultimately, that's what I put hope in. Wow, so good. So, so good. And, I mean, this really leads to this this question kind of staying on this this dark side, but, but just something we need, I mean, per se, uh, but something we need to think about deeply, because I, I, I take James 3 very, very seriously in our ministry. Not many of you should be presumed to be teachers. You'll be judged to a higher standard. And I still don't know how I feel about this this whole notion that, Drew, I noticed at the end of this of this past calendar year, that CT, Christianity Today, put out their top 20 articles for the year with the most engagement. And I think something like, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I'm doing the living Bible on this, but something like half of these stories 
were about moral failings of pastors or or spiritual leaders right. uh, of their most engaged articles. And I still don't know how I feel about that. But it, your book has some a, a real a real discerning eye as far as this whole role of self control and what role does that play in these recent scandals and moral failings that we see in the news. What is your message for the church as it relates to that question? I think, it, first of all, it, it does underscore the importance of this topic. You know, as I was writing this book, the whole Me Too thing was just coming up mm, in the news. Yeah. And you remember, I mean, that was like a year and a half ago, but it seemed like almost every day there for a while yep. there was a new actor or Hollywood executive that was, that was um, being uh, exposed as doing these awful things. And then, you know, I think some Christians felt a little smug because we're like, oh, that's Godless Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then it hit the church, right? There were all these yeah. church scandals that started to come out, and suddenly we didn't feel so smug anymore. And I think I think it's part of the reason. I mean, these are all complex, and each situation is different. But when, when a leader fails like that, I think often what precedes that is years of compromise and, right. and, and uh, a failure to develop in this area of self-control. Uh, and then, of course, it seems like it, it just all happens overnight because it hits the news or something. Um, so I, I just think that, yeah, it underscores the importance of this topic. And we're in a time, I think, where leaders um, are rewarded uh, for their their skills, right, whether you're mm-hmm. a powerful communicator or you're really intelligent or whatever, and you can get online and you can get a lot of accolades yeah. and recognition for that. But, man, if that's not balanced by a strong base of character and self-control, you are very vulnerable because it just takes one indiscretion, one vulnerable moment, and it can all come collapsing down. And, of course, that's just one part of it. Yeah, your career's ruined, but think of all the people that are victimized yeah. and hurt. Uh, the reputation of the Christian faith uh, gets dragged through the mud every time this happens. So, yeah, this is it's not optional anymore. We really need to get serious about self-control and having strong character. And that's why I think that your book is is made such a great splash, and it's been so encouraging because you do approach it in such a not only in a you're just so relatable um, in how you write this. It's like oh yeah yeah he's dealing so am I. This, these are great tactics, and and that's where I want to now move into the kind of the science of habit. And I, I love what you call it, the transforming power of habit. How do we make these, you know, because there's people listening right now, they have, they have, you know, they, they might want to start and read their Bible every day, pray every day, evangelize. You know, D.L. Moody wouldn't go to bed at night until he'd witnessed this one person, you know, gets out of bed and <laughs> goes down and wins someone. Okay, I can go to bed now. You know, how do we get better at that? So talk for a moment about just the transforming power of habits. And this is where I love where you talk really about the ultimate purpose, too, of self-control. And this is where your book goes further than a lot of the books that are available, I think, in the secular market right now. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was um, uh, this was a big revelation to me because I'm a theology guy. I'm not a scholar like you, but I really prize uh, theology and, and believe that what we believe about God and ourselves is of primary importance. And, of course, mm. I still believe that. Amen. But often when it comes to living the Christ, Christian life, uh, even though we have the right information in our heads, even though we have our theology down, uh, often uh, what happens when we get in a particular situation is that we don't act according to that knowledge. Instead, we default to habits, right? Mm, yeah. And it's often very perplexing to us because we go, what's going on? You know, I really wanted this week to serve my neighbors, to read my Bible, to pray, to, to share my faith, all that stuff, and it falls apart because we're in other – we have these habits in our, our lives that we default to. So it's important to pay particular attention to the, that. And what I mean by habits is simply this. 
those unconscious routines that we have built into our lives. And those can be very, very bad. You know, if they're bad habits, yeah. you're eating too much, whatever, um, or they can be good habits. And so the goal really is to initiate new habits. And this is where I, I, I benefited from reading a lot in the psychological literature on this topic. They, they say a habit has three parts. There's a cue. That's the thing that actually prompts you to go into a routine. There's the actual routine itself. That's the behavior you do. And then there's a reward. There's some sort of payoff for doing that. And what happens as we do that over and over, if we go through the cue, the routine, and the reward, and we do that for a month or two, a habit gets cemented into place in our lives. And if it's a healthy, holy habit, that's great because what that actually does is it preserves our willpower because we're not expending that precious, finite willpower we have. We can just rely on good, virtuous habits. A guy who wakes up every morning and runs five miles doesn't have to psych himself up to do it, right? He just mm, gets up yeah, and exactly. it because it's become a habit. Same with spiritual disciplines. And I think that, that that's the goal rather than just trying to, you know, out, outfight temptation at every turn. Or, or kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, if we can build these habits into our lives, they're very, very powerful. John Ortberg, pastor, I love a quote he has. He says, um, habits eat willpower for breakfast. And what he means by <laughs> that, good. if one person's going into a situation and he's just relying on his willpower and the other person has a habit in place, man, a good habit in place, bet on the habit guy every time. That's so good. And again, friends, if you're just joining us across Faith Radio Network, we're talking about the new book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, with author Drew Dick. And I just, one thing that I really appreciated about your book, Drew, is as a theologian, you introduce us, reintroduce us to a term that is really historic in the faith, but we don't hear, I don't think we hear enough about it today. It's this term called sanctification. And again and again, you help us define and apply the vital role of sanctification really is a goal, at least one of the goals of living a life that's self-controlled. And there's divine empowerment, there's human willpower. Uh, but I love what you say, the Bible is crammed with passages showing both the divine and the human role in sanctification. Can you just talk about that for a moment? Yeah, sure. I think sometimes uh, when, we, when we approach this topic, we think, well, sanctification, that is becoming more and more like Jesus, should be easy, right? I should be able to yeah. just kind of kick back, and it's a pleasure cruise towards holiness, and God's going to do all the heavy lifting. And, man, I wish it were like that. <laughs> um, yeah. But the truth is, while God empowers us to live the Christian life, at the same time, it does require some effort, some holy striving. I find it so interesting that the words like striving are kind of dirty words in a lot of Christian circles. Uh, whereas when you read Scripture, uh, it, it's used in a positive sense to strive after godliness. And Paul talks about running the race and mm -hmm. compares the Christian life to a fight like a boxer. Right. And so uh, and I think that the key is instead of striving against God. Right. And, and, and sinning and getting into your flesh, the key is to strive with the spirit. And as we do that, God comes alongside us and, and equips us to live this Christian life, which is difficult. Let's face it. I think where the confusion comes in is that. And yeah, you're right. Sanctification is kind of this ten dollar theological word. We tend to confuse it with another $10 word, and that is justification, okay? Yeah. When it comes to justification, that is God reaching down by his grace, saving us. Man, that is 100% God. We don't exert effort. We just happily accept the gift. But sanctification is a little different because sanctification is that lifelong, slow, stumbling process of becoming a little more like Jesus 
It doesn't happen in an instant, and it does require some effort. But the good news is we can make progress. I really believe that. Friends, this is so good. I love what Drew writes um, on page 147 of his book. Divine empowerment and human effort aren't enemies. They're allies. God has given us his power, and that's why we strive. And we do that by the divine enablement, but we do it with books like this, friends, that challenge our thinking about how we can do better when it comes to self-control. The time is going way too fast. Uh, We've got to go to a break in just 90 seconds. When we come back, I want to continue to just talk about how we can build up disciplines in our life that make us more like Christ and impact the world around us for God's glory. Um, So stay with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. We're talking to Drew Dick about his excellent new book, Your Future Self Will Thank You. Friends, we're back with Drew Dick. He's the author of Your Future Self. Well, thank you. Of course, you've probably read Drew on Christianity Today. Um, he has written at places like USA Today, Huffington Post, CNN.com. Uh, and as I said at the very beginning of the broadcast, you need to get all of his books, Generation X Christian, Yawning at Tigers. Drew is just a great thinker. And guess what? He's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter because I just relate with so many of the things uh, that he tweets about, especially as it relates to parenting. Um, So cool, Drew, to have you on the program. Thanks again for joining us. And I do want to encourage you to connect with him on Twitter at Drew Dick. That's D-R-E-W-D-Y-C-K. I want to talk about self-control in just this light, Drew, because you talk about grace in your book, and I appreciate this, because my grandfather, John Wesley Johnston, uh, had this discipline where he would read the Bible through every 11 and a half weeks like clockwork, okay? He read wow. five chapters a day, and then on Sunday, like, you just didn't call the man because Sunday was, you know, 25 chapters of the Bible a day, and then he would pray two hours a day, and he, he he's a World War II vet, most disciplined man I've ever met. And, like, I just feel like a failure <laughs> when I compare sometimes. <laughs> and so what – if anyone's listening right now, perhaps they have a great – I thank the Lord for my Christian heritage. Wow. I mean, to have a grandpa like that mentoring me, as I did so many years, you know, I learned far more from him in many ways than studying at, at different high levels, um, just watching his life. Such an impact. But at the same time, can you just come back to this theme of grace? Because – you know, we have so many different people that relate to this program, and some are brand-new Christians. Like, man, I'm, like, not batting at a good average right now listening to these guys talk. <laughs> what, what, leave us with some hope in this segment about grace as it relates to self-control. Yeah, sure. Um, man, that's that's a great story about your grandpa. If he writes a book, let me know because I want to read that. I think that's <laughs> okay. what we need to learn from. That's amazing. But, yeah, it's funny because I was, I was raised on, you know, missionary biographies, and you'd read stories yeah. of these guys who like pray three hours every morning and and those are inspiring but at the same time they can be slightly demotivating (laughs) yeah exactly you look at your you look at your own life and you go oh my goodness how do i even start to approach that um and i think yeah we we need to not be so hard on ourselves because often these spiritual disciplines that can grow throughout a lifetime um of of walking with jesus they start pretty small you know, that was one of the things I tried to do in the book. I was learning these things, and I tried to apply them to my own life. And one of the little experiments I did was try to pray every day. And I remember setting my my um, phone alarm for, like, I think it was, like, 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to 
try to pray 10 minutes every day. And I remember I getting, I got right down on my knees like a weirdo in my office and started <laughs> to pray. And after a while, I thought, oh, no, the, the alarm must not be working because it's not <laughs> yeah. going off. I, I mean, I've been praying for at least a half an hour. I get up. I've been praying for seven minutes. So anyway, I think we need to <laughs> often that's how it is to start. That's how habits work, getting back to the idea of habits is initially they take a lot of effort. They're difficult. But if you stick with it, and, man, I look back on my life, how many times have I done a new spiritual regimen or exercise program or whatever, and I only did it for a few weeks, and I stopped right before it can become a habit in my life. The other thing I want to say about this, because it is so discouraging, especially if you have a bad habit or besetting sin, you know, you kind of get to this place where you just start talking to yourself, and maybe it's, maybe it's you, maybe it's someone else whispering in your ear saying, you know what? You're never going to get over this. You're never going to conquer this. And it can be very discouraging. But, man, I tell people, like, when I was researching for this, one uh, thing that I found really fascinating is what um, researchers call literally the the what-the-hell effect. Mm. That is, these diet researchers would look at people, and when they had a small indiscretion, say they ate a piece of cake or a piece of pizza, what would follow that was a full-on binge. And it's Mm. it's counterintuitive because you would think, that, that guilt would drive you to have better behavior, but it's just the opposite. You go, oh, wow. who cares? What the heck? I'm, I'm just done with this, right? There's another phenomenon called the fresh start effect, and this refers to the phenomenon when people feel they have a fresh start, when they feel they have a blank slate, their behavior improves. And I thought, man, as a Christian, we have the ultimate fresh start, right? <laughs> when, so we, when we're adopted into God's family, we're forgiven. And then, you know, even once we're Christians, we're repeatedly forgiven. And instead of that, fueling a license to sin, what it does, especially if you really internalize it, get it, grace becomes the fuel for better behavior. So, man, the answer isn't to wallow in guilt. It's not to listen to those voices that say, man, you're stuck. You're never going to get better. It is to embrace God's forgiveness and move forward with a fresh start. That is so good, Drew. So I want to lean right in then to, I love to give immediate steps to our audience. So what are some of those immediate steps or strategies that we can apply with self-control, especially with, I like how you talk about the digitally distracting culture that we, I mean, we're just inundated with things that tell us there are no consequences for these bad habits and, you know, self-control doesn't really matter. Of course, that's your truth, you know, that you just do what you feel led. Um, what are some immediate strategies and steps for self-control that we can take, take away from this broadcast and your book? Yeah, sure. I think one thing to do, especially when it comes to kind of bad habits you've identified in your life, is to employ what researchers call a bright lines strategy. Let me explain what that is. Bright line strategy is just simply referring to hard and fast rules that you can't break. So, for instance, if, like me, your your vice is ice cream, uh, just have a bright line that says, you know what, I don't have ice cream in the house. Maybe I can eat it if I go to a friend's house, if I'm at a restaurant. I'm not going to have it in the freezer constantly taunting me, right? Or... Like you said, if it's digital distractions, I think a great thing a lot of people are starting to do is they'll say, hey, listen, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm not going to have any phone use past 7 p.m. every night, right? And so what that actually does is it preserves your willpower because if it's 8 p.m. and you're tempted to look at your phone, you go, oh, no, I have that bright line that I don't don't go over um, that I've set in my life. And I think that's just a way to start to get a hold uh, of some of these behaviors and get some victory because – it, 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 it saves you from having to do that work to decide every time. And that can apply to all kinds of areas of your life. And it might feel a little bit like legalism, right? But I think it's just wise. Sometimes it's wise to take those precautions 
those kind of preemptive steps against destructive behaviors so you can get a little bit of victory and form new habits in your life. I just I love your spirit of of informing the church in such a loving way, though, because, you know, as Christians, I always tell people, you know, we don't gossip. We just share prayer requests. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, so what I mean by that is, you know, many people talk about the fact that other Christians in their community don't have self-control and they do nothing about it. And you have approached this in such a spiritual way, but also an affirming way. You're not like the Pharisees. I I think I either read this or heard you say this recently. I mean, the Pharisees could have been like the most self-controlled, you know, people. And Jesus had a lot of interesting things to say about the Pharisees. But you've really done us a blessing. You've done the church a service, Drew. And I want to thank you for this book and just approaching it in such a spiritual way that is encouraging, that people can read this book and immediately be challenged I've already employed steps that you've talked about in your book just to work better. And, and for me, it's, it's I want to maximize the calling and the gifts that God has given me and the calling I sense that he's put on my life and the responsibilities I have for that. But then it's just difficult. It's trying to be, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. And how do, mm. I, how do I juggle? So if you're out there and you're listening right now, you might be a CEO. You might be just have a, have a job where you're just, you need to clone yourself if you could. Um, but how do I get better habits in my life? And, and this book will really help you with that. So I just, I give it my unqualified endorsement. It's such a great book. And, 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 and Drew, I just want to thank you for writing it. And so I want to ask you, what's next? What are you working on right now? Oh, first of all, thank you so much. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the, the idea of not making this sort of a pharisaical enterprise, right, because it can become that if you kind of go, man, I'm going to be a self-controlled, yeah. self-disciplined kind of group type person um, and look down on others. And, of course, from a Christian perspective, if that's what you're doing, you've already failed the first self-control test, which is to be humble and to put yes. other people before yourself. So I think that, that's, so that's good. excellent caveat yeah as far as what i'm doing now man honestly i don't have a another project in the pipeline right now uh i've been kind of busy spreading the word about this one yeah. uh but always and, and of course like you said especially in this phase of life when you got young kids it's tough. <laughs> it seems like all your free time is spoken for um but it's a fun fun phase of life as well I want to I want to pick your brain about a few things that I, I've just been mulling over. Um, and one of the things, Drew, and I just friends, I want to encourage you follow this man on Twitter, read everything he writes. Uh, he's really had his hand on the pulse. And I, I started something ten years ago, Drew, where I just said, you know, I want to answer questions and let's see what people are going to ask. And I was amazed to realize that my number one question, and I've written about this in a few places, is suicide and mental illness in the Christian life. It just seems like we're living in a culture of despair, a culture that's hopeless. And I just want to ask you, as somebody who's, who writes a lot and thinks deeply about these issues, I mean, I, I have said recently that mental illness in the church is the number one apologetics question of our time, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Christian faith is all about making sure it connects up well with the questions our culture is asking. But why do you think there's such a culture of despair? And, and I mean, why do you think my number one question is suicide and mental health in the Christian life? Yeah, man, that's a that's a big question. One thing that I'll point out from from things I've been reading recently is actually the role of social media and technology that's mm-hmm. at least exacerbating this trend, right? Especially for the next the younger generation, um, I think we're seeing the first kind of digital natives, people that were have come up with the internet, um, and often yeah. I think a lot of people it's kind of like it's kind of like smoking was 50 years ago. People just go, oh, I don't know, I didn't know it was dangerous. We're yeah. doing the same thing with kids, um, just giving them unfettered access to the Internet. 
And then I think we're seeing the first kind of crop of kids come up into their teens and early 20s. And um, it's had all kinds of negative effects, especially social media, which can be a good thing. But for a lot of people, especially through those formative years where you're getting bullied and you're very conscious of your image and where you fit in in society, and that's been really tough on the psyches of young people. And so I'm seeing a lot of, and, I, and you're probably well aware of the statistics, um, where, yeah, anxiety, mental illness, suicide rates have skyrocketed uh, because I think we've accepted sort of an uncritical uh, use right. of social media and the Internet. I think as Christians, man, we need to be leading the way and going, hey, listen, this is not just uh, an unmitigated good. Maybe we need to pull the reins here. Uh, for the sake of our kids and ourselves, too, we can become, as, as you know, at any age addicted to the Internet and social media. And we need to, to kind of put some boundaries around this and think carefully about how we engage it. Such a good point. I, and I think it comes back again to self-control. I mean, your book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, talks about these good guardrails that we can put in our life because, I mean, anything can become a vice. And I think that it's just right. a great reminder. And I just appreciate you saying that. We have, we have about three and a half, four minutes left. And, Drew, we ask all of our guests who come on this program, if they could ask Jesus anything right now, what would it be? And we've had some just very interesting answers because I, I think that vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people. I think that you know, oftentimes mm. we, we see people speak and we don't realize, you know, hey, we have feet of clay, people that write, we have feet of clay. And, and just dealing with unanswered questions is something Jesus was never afraid to do, asking over 300 questions himself in the gospel. So, Drew Dick, what, what is your unanswered question? Maybe you've already dealt with it. Maybe you've already transcended um, a hankering question that you've had. But I'd just be interested to, <laughs> to hear what, what would be your question if you could ask him right now, the Lord, anything, what would it be? Yeah, I have so many. Oh man, it's a it's a the problem of narrowing them down, right? Because there are so many unanswered questions on this side of eternity. <laughs> I mean, I think many that just will not be answered, uh, <laughs> um, at least now. I think my biggest one is most pressing. It probably has to do with my phase of life, being a father to young children, and it's mm-hmm. this: God, why do children have to suffer and even die? Yeah. Man, that kills me. Just today, I saw an article been circulating around the internet about about um, some parents who had um, an, there was an accident and uh, this untimely death of their child and I couldn't even read it okay because I'm just in that place with the young kids where I just automatically apply it to my own situation and emotionally I just can't handle it and everyone's raving about how beautiful the piece is um, and I go I can't even go there emotionally and yeah. so for me I think that puts extra weight on it on the question and I know that a lot of the, the typical responses um, and I trust in God's goodness. And yet at the end of the day, because of how emotional that is, especially when you have young children, children, you go, man, God, why does that have to happen? Yeah. Um, I think as any parent can probably relate to that. You know, it's so true, Drew. And I mean, I just have to react to I mean, I, I speak in and I never really talk about denominations on this program. This is a great inter, interdenominational station. But it's it's my problem as a Christian thinker with these faith healers. Why don't they go to all these children's hospitals if there's if they're so good at what they do? <laughs> and it really caught right. you don't have to answer. I'm just I'm I'm reacting to what you're saying. And, and it because as a dad of five, I mean, there's been times I mean, our, our boys were in the NICU for two two months and 
Uh, I was just like, wow, I, I would do anything to switch places with them when they were in that position. And and I couldn't, I was literally helpless. I couldn't do anything but, pr- well, I could pray. And then we saw God work and intervene in amazing ways. So thank you for sharing that with us, Drew. This time has gone way too fast. Um, I, I can't believe that we haven't talked before now because I just, like I said, I've followed you for years. And I so appreciate your ministry. And I appreciate um, just how you oh, think deeply likewise. about these things. Um, so will you come back and see us again on this program? Because, like I said, it's gone too fast, and I've got so many other things I want to I just pick your brain on. Absolutely, anytime. I've really enjoyed this, and it's great to finally connect with you. And, and someday, hopefully soon, we'll actually connect face-to-face. Absolutely. Friends, go ahead and grab the book now. Your future self will thank you. Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. Drew, thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to be back in the next segment taking your unanswered questions. And thanks so much for staying with us on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. back to our final segment on the Jeremiah Johnston show and we're talking about consistency. We're talking about evidencing the fruit of the spirit in our life and we've just had a tremendous discussion with Mr. Drew Dick on his wonderful book that is really life-changing about how and it's really more about sanctification and glorifying Jesus Christ than looking better or feeling better or any of the worldly reasons. It's about how can we be more consistent, more balanced in our Christian journey. And I want to share some things that Audrey and I do consistently uh, that are just non-negotiables in our life. And I, I want to ask you to think about what are the non-negotiables in your Christian life. And, and I want to land the plane on this broadcast with some very important things. Um, I want to first talk about the importance of prayer. We've been discussing that. We've been talking about Drew just shared a really powerful illustration when he tried to pray for 10 minutes a day, and it just seemed like so long. I want to encourage you to have an atmosphere of prayer in your home. And you might be single listening to this. Just pray. Walk around your house and pray. Walk around your apartment and pray. If you're married, I just can't talk enough about how important it is for you to pray with your spouse. If you're a husband, you should be praying with your wife. If you're a wife, you should be praying with your husband. It is utterly life-changing. You know, I've made some bad decisions in my life, but like we all have. But a great decision that I made that really the Spirit of God led me to make was the very first date that I had with my wife, Audrey, and that's 17 years ago at the time I'm recording this broadcast with you here today. Uh, over 17 years ago, back in 2001, I guess almost over 18 years ago now, I took Audrey out on a date, and I just said, you know what, can we end the date praying together? Now, guess what, guys? She had never had anyone else take her out on a date before that wanted to end the date praying. Well, she loves God with all her heart, and she thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So we have been praying ever since our very first date together. And I can't tell you how many times I'll call my wife somewhere on the road, Something stressful is happening. And by the way, if you don't know, I'm on the road speaking, proclaiming Jesus Christ, being an apologist. Now, there are challenges to that. And we won't even talk. She'll just start praying for me. We, we have an atmosphere of prayer in our marriage. We have an atmosphere of prayer in our home. There are times we don't even know what to say. I mean, we can be bewildered as parents. Have you been there? You're just utterly shocked. I mean, the other day, my amazing wife was holding an eight-foot ladder so I didn't fall off. And in six minutes, our triplets managed to pry open a locked door, turn on a faucet, and proceed to flood our upstairs. We walk in after six minutes, and there is water pouring from light fixtures into our kitchen. Have you ever had that kind of day? That was not a good day. 
Uh, and we just had to pray after we yelled and screamed. And the prayer began, Lord, forgive us for what we were just thinking and saying. But help us, Lord. There's an atmosphere of prayer in the Johnston home. Uh, when I take my children to school, when I'm in town, I don't let them get out of my car, friends, without praying over them. And, you know, sometimes they're paying attention, sometimes they're not. We pray at our meals. We pray before we go to bed at night. We pray, pray, pray. And so I just want to encourage you. It doesn't have to be sitting there for 20 minutes doing a yoga meditation. Um, it can be just praying throughout the day, short prayers, little prayers. I mean, D.L. Moody, I love to read Christian biographies. His prayer one day was, Lord, I'm tired. In Jesus' name, amen. He'd been serving God all day, but he remarks, uh, he had that prayer, Lord, I'm tired from serving you. Rejuvenate me. And so please have an atmosphere, live in an atmosphere of prayer. Pray as much as you can because the days are evil. Uh, this has been a great broadcast today, and I so appreciate Drew Dick who joined us. If you missed any of it, uh, if you're just tuning in, go back, check out the archive broadcast, and check out all of the great broadcasts, all the great shows that happen here at Faith Radio Network. And I want to encourage you, please, in the last few seconds that we have, pray for me. Um, so often, I, I don't just speak in friendly areas. I'm, I'm out in what you might refer to as secular, hostile environments, proclaiming the truths of Jesus Christ and the great evidences for our faith. I need your prayers. So will you pray for me? Will you just remember Jeremiah and your prayers as I go out and do those things? Connect with us online. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back next time with another edition of the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.